Hey everybody, welcome to episode 60 of Two Views Movies Podcast. What's up everybody, welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we are back with another top five list, obscure top five list. We we tried to, <laughs> we started with this one, made it a little too obscure, and then brought it back to like medium obscurity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and this was yours, so why don't you uh, share with everybody what you wanted us to tackle this time. So we did top five best endings since 1990. Yeah. So we took out the Rockies and the, <laughs> yeah. And so, well, I mean, I think we took out like the classics that you feel like you have to go to. Yeah. Like, you know, Planet of the Apes. It's one of those that like, I don't it know. It was Earth all along. Right. I, yeah. I mean, it's an incredible twist, a great ending, yeah. but not one that you or I ever really even grew up with. Or cared about. But we, we've understood the ripple effects of it, right? So then you have to get into like, okay, in the world of movies, yeah, it's probably one of the best endings of all time, but like, is it really ours? And yeah, so we then we went way obscure, which was, <laughs> okay, it has to be post-90s, but you can only use two from each, each of the decade. past three decades. So 90 to 99, you know, 2000 to 2009, and then beyond. Um, and that, when we even kind of struggled with a little bit, because like, man, we have our ones that we like, but they're, the groupings don't work. So then we just backed it off to 1990. Yeah. So your, your decades were different than my decades, and we just decided to... Oh, in terms of where we were landing on yeah. our... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We are post-1990. Yep. This will be a spoiler podcast for each movie because we're talking about the ends. Yeah, we're always a spoiler podcast, but this one... Not usually our top five, though, because we're not really Oh, spoiling. I don't know. I think we've had conversations about movies. Our rule of thumb is that it's hard to talk about movies that in detail on a podcast without actually spoiling, spoiling them. them, which... True. You know, promo alert. We're now putting our spoiler-free reviews on our actual site so before you had to go to letterboxd and follow us or check our facebook links over to letterboxd to get our spoiler free written reviews and we've now moved those over to our website at twoviewsmovies.com so when you go there you have the choice you can listen to a spoiler filled podcast uh with both of us talking or you can check out a spoiler free review of the movies which i would say most of the things we obviously the ones we podcast about we have both written reviews on so you can read both of our kind of spoiler free takes on them and then, obviously, we'll be posting everything else that we watch. So we don't always watch the same stuff. So you'll get some reviews from Carson, some from me, some from both. But definitely go to twoviewsmovies.com and check out the spoiler-free reviews if you don't want to have everything ruined for you by our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that little bit of promo out of the way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I will let uh, let you start. So what's your number five? Uh, Well... You know we always start with honorable mentions, right? Of course. So I, I'm not going to talk through the actual endings, but I will say I had the 2000s, the, the 2000 to 2009 range was tough for me because there's a lot of Christopher Nolan movies that got churned out during that time, <laughs> and I, I love them all. So I thought about Memento. I thought about Inception. Those were tough for me. The Departed was in there because I, I feel like that was one of the few movies where like literally in the theater, I sat up out of my chair and said, Oh bleep and like <laughs> out loud. And I can't remember ever doing that with any other movie. Um, so those are some of my honorable mentions back in the nineties. I, I thought about seven. I thought about usual suspects more recently. I was thinking about something like La La Land, which is an interesting one because I think when we think of 
great endings, we think of things that leave you like wowed or shocked. And La La Land is just beautiful, in my opinion, and what it does in the end. But I even went so far on this list to consider trying to do an all non-twist endings. <laughs> so I was going to come to the table with, okay, we're doing top five since 1990, but I gave myself a new rule, which is I couldn't do twist endings. And then I was like, oh man, that, that's just so hard. But a lot of those are the best endings. <laughs> yeah. So those are some of my honorable mentions. I don't want to dive into the actual details of them, but like that's kind of the pool I was working with in this. Yeah. And I, and I'll, I'll do mine as well. So I had uh, usual suspects. I had the game. Yeah. Um, and I had a few good men. And the reason I liked a few good men is really the last third of the movie. So I felt like I couldn't put that in there as endings. That's just fantastic. The the whole core. Yeah, but that the but the theme. ending with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. I mean, it's perfect, but. I felt like it was too long to put in the ending. Oh man, I don't and know so, that. I mean, that one courtroom scene, it, and it's fan, so it's fantastic. It's so pervasive in pop culture too, right? I mean, it's and for for one that I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna say this on this. I think that A Few Good Men is a perfect movie. Like, I'm not sure that. I mean, that's subject there, to everybody's opinion, right? It is so good. If you haven't seen it, it is so good. And I'm not sure there's things that I would change. And and I'm reaching out right now. I need to. It's great. Yeah. It's perfect for what it is. I mean, it's a courtroom drama. If that's not really your thing, well, right. I mean, it's not a great action movie, right? But, but and that looking at my list, I was looking for all my comic book movies of great endings, and all the best scenes are usually in the middle. Yeah, that they usually don't end very well. I will say, I do think the Dark Knight has a really good ending, but it 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 goes mm. well. See, you chalk it up to like the Joker aspect and how that that final fight is kind of anticlimactic yes but what i'm saying is it's more like a la la land ending that that voiceover of uh commissioner gordon talking about you know he's the hero that we need and but the, the whole the, thing with two-face it sure is boring i'm just saying that that the actual like last minute of the movie the true ending where he's riding the bat cycle or whatever it is and the shot from behind and the voiceover like to me no way that's what it's called is it called the bat i don't cycle? know what it's called <laughs> <laughs> i just made that up but you know what probably I'm though you know what i'm talking about right. the one scene everybody can picture as the voiceover is going right. to me that is a fantastic ending it depends on how you want to slice ending right is ending the final act is it the final conflict is it the final image that you see on the screen for such a great movie that that ending just you know for me the the joker sure. and then two-face is just is, and him looking through the cell phones and his back goggles yeah and it's like really and so he had such a great movie a truly great movie coming right right up to that point yeah but i'm but, just saying that to me that yeah. last image and the last voiceover is great but yes comic book movies don't often they always feel the need to end on either a neutral or a positive note, and they usually don't do twists. So it's Except not for Infinity War <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, but um, even in a badass end fight scene are rare. It's more the middle fight scenes yeah. that are the best. And so I, I was going through because I w- I wanted one on my list because they're always on my list and I didn't get one. So yeah, but number five. Okay. Without further ado. Yeah. So number five for me. Um, I mentioned La La Land was an honorable mention, but number five is actually going to Damien Chazelle's other movie, Whiplash. That movie, I just rewatched it in the past few weeks. It's incredible. It's it, really, it's really good. It's pretty short, but what it covers, and I think the thing that always still gets me to this day is like, you can't ever describe to anybody how good Whiplash really is. 
because you start saying things like it's about a jazz drummer and you see their eyes <laughs> gloss over and you're like, I, I know I lost no, you. It's with the State Farm guy. No, thank you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I know I lost you, but just trust me on this. It's really good. But specifically the ending, I mean, the whole movie is building up and has these themes of what it takes to become great and how did Charlie Parker become a great jazz musician and uh, Miles Teller is a jazz drummer and J.K. Simmons is his instructor and you know J.K. Simmons just breaks down everybody just humiliates them treats them like crap you know he uh, Miles Teller wants to, to to quit and he pushes himself to absurd lengths of drumming and you know he finally breaks and it, it costs him his drumming career and it costs J.K. Simmons his job. And then there's this reconciliation that you think is about to happen. <laughs> and J.K. Simmons and Miles meet up. He's like, hey, I, I'm conducting again. Why don't you come drum for me? And it ends up being an elaborate ruse for J.K. Simmons to humiliate Miles Teller on stage again. In front of the who's who. Of, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's like, hey, if you do good here, you're going to be noticed. And you're just, like, as an audience member, you're like, oh, my God, this movie, like, you just humiliated him again. Because you, you were thinking, like, okay, they're going to reconcile, and this is all going to be happy-go-lucky. Yeah. And they do get to that. Right. But they, they set you up first. So after that failure, Miles comes back on stage and just starts drumming. And he's taking J.K. Simmons' performance over. Yeah. And it's so great because he's drumming and drumming, and J.K. Simmons is looking at him like, what's going on? He mouths, like, F you to him. And then J.K. Simmons comes over and is like, I will gouge out your effing eyeballs. And then there's this <laughs> tension building up. And then finally, you see as Miles Teller's doing this drum solo that J.K. Simmons is starting to realize what's happening. Like, to appreciate, yeah, yeah. this kid is great, and he's got, I got him to where he needed to go, which is a really weird thing. You're kind of on J.K. Simmons' side of, yeah, you were a jerk teacher, but you got him here. And you can kind of see Miles Teller realizing that, too, and they start to work together. And you know, J.K. Simmons is telling him to slow down and speed up, and he's following each other. And then... Like the only acknowledgement that you get that they finally broke through is uh, J.K. Simmons' eyes kind of light up as he's getting ready to call for like the last beat, and Miles Teller kind of smiles. And they hit the note, and the movie goes off. And you're like, oh, wow. So it's not one of those twists. It's not anything like that. It's just perfect storytelling. Perfect. Well, well it's a bit of a twist. It's, yeah, I mean, he kind of, yeah. And they, get, and they give you that. But it's this was on my list for the best one of the best movies that I've only seen once. Okay, yeah. And so I recently since that podcast, I, I recently rewatched it and it's it's awesome. Yeah. It's just an awesome movie. And and that ending and you still even though I know it's coming, you know you still get all nervous and palm sweaty like, oh this is <laughs> yeah. really awkward. Yeah. You know, I feel really bad for him. And then and even even though you know the outcome, you yeah. Know, it's a uh, yeah, because it's, it's super cringy. Because he, the way he humiliates him is he tells him, "Oh, you don't need to worry about your music sheets. We're just playing this one song you you know all the time." Yeah, and then he starts conducting, and it's totally a different song. And he's trying to keep up doing his own drumming. Just you can feel the humiliation. Yeah, he's just so bad at it. And yeah. then oh, and then he yeah. walks. J.K. Simmons walks over, and he's like, "You didn't." He's like, I, "He says something to him. I knew I it was even, you." Or, yeah, yeah, you didn't that, think that I ratted knew it was me you. out. Yeah. yeah, God, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's your number five? Number five. So sticking with the cringeworthy, uh, I went with Tin Cup. <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 a romantic comedy g golf movie, right? And so you get this. He, he's a a pro golfer, um, a golf pro actually at a driving range, and decides to go to the Open and does really well. You know, you think it's this underdog story and whatnot. And he gets to the final hole, and 
he's just so cocky that he thinks he can make this shot over the water and he rips it. You're like, this is the end. You know, he's going to make it. He's going to win. Yada, yada. Everyone's going to love him End a movie and plunk in the water. Like, oh, and so what does he do? He, he doesn't take, take the ball up at the green. He, he drops it again. He wants to take right the where shot he's again, at. right where he's at. And he's ha- he has the course record, you know, everything's gone. <laughs> he's going to win. And he hits it again and hits the green. He's like, Oh my God, he's, he's, he's got it. And it rolls all the way into the water. And he does this, what, six times. It's a lot. Yeah. And he get if probably more than that, actually, you got He ended up getting to 12. Yeah. Uh, but his, he keeps dropping and you just see the whole movie's built up to this, all his hopes and dreams of becoming a pro golfer again. And, and then just each, drop and each shot just takes a piece of your heart and just yeah squeezes it and throws it away and his last shot he hits it uh, sort, sort of like you know you end up getting your happy ending kind of sure but he hits the green then he rolls it in and hole in 12 <laughs> you know right. but, but he makes it from that spot and and everyone's gonna always remember that shot you know and that, that's what they're saying oh it's a fantastic shot you know that everyone's always gonna remember that 12 but you're like he just blew how much money you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he could have won the open and and just just that whole feeling of don't drop just just take lay either lay up or you know take your drop up there and he just kept wanting to go for it yeah doesn't he get down to his last ball yeah yeah uh yeah i forgot there's there a ball limit you know that's the last ball and, and then he'd be uh, disqualified yeah yeah so he wouldn't even get the get the place or anything and he ends up shooting a 12 and that's <laughs> yeah you know on a it, it's just every time you watch like what are you doing you know just just it's, quit hitting it <laughs> it's a it's a very average movie in my opinion but there's no denying that the ending is the ending unique. makes the movie. i mean the ending is what you remember when you think of tin cup you don't remember you know, him betting Don Johnson that he can hit a ball out of the clubhouse onto the green or whatever that bet is that they do. You don't remember that he's out in like the sticks in Arizona or something like that, working out of a trailer. You remember that he takes those like seven shots at the end, trying (laughs) in being stubborn. He snaps his finger to have him get another ball and drop it. Romeo won't give him the ball. Yeah. So that's what you remember. So in terms of endings, yeah, it's totally not what you would expect because like you said, you think that first shot he hits, he's going to get it. And then when he doesn't, you're like, okay, well, he'll get the next one happy ending. And then he just keeps going and going and going. And you're like, wow, uh, the, he really, the, the movie did that. Because you don't expect the movie to do that. No. And he's always, they always said he's the guy who always went for it. Yeah. You know? and, and they kind of build that up. He's the guy that goes for it throughout the whole movie. And so you think that's going to pay off. And it doesn't. You know, he, he could have right. easily laid up and, and won. You know, but nope, he, he had to go for it. And then he has the all-time 12. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so, again, it, it's just that, that cringeworthy, like, stop it. No, just stop it. That It's something completely different than you'd ever expect. So that's why it made the list. That's definitely a very you pick, because I don't think if you go Google top movie endings, you're ever going to come across 10 Cup. Yeah, it's not it's not a twist. No. And so and that's what it, but I, you, I want it to resonate. <laughs> but no, I agree. It's not going to be on most people's best ending list. yeah your appreciation for tin cup is way higher than than most other people's that, appreciation but that i will a, say the ending i i would have a hard time arguing i mean maybe i could argue that it shouldn't be in the top five because there's so many others you could put up there 
but you put it at five. I think that's an acknowledgement that like I want to sneak one of mine. Yeah, I'll, I'll sneak it in, in there. there. And and and, I'm, and people may think I'm a golf. I'm not a golf guy. <laughs> right. You know, I, you're I, a sports I, guy. I'm a sport. I couldn't be further from a golf guy. Right. But I'm a sports guy because golf is an activity. Um, <laughs> but but this ending was fantastic. Yeah, so. it's definitely a very memorable ending. I mean, like I said, I, I think that if you talk to people about Ten Cup, I mean, they're not going to remember much of anything. Other than that, like that's the one thing that they would remember. That and him, him playing around with a shovel and a bat. And I don't that. even think they would remember that. I think they would just remember that that ending where they just keep shooting over and over. Because especially for sports movies, that's just not typically how it goes. Like you don't you don't have a baseball movie and then the guy walks in, you know, four runners right when he's pitching. <laughs> you just don't do that, right? They, yeah. It's so yeah. I think uh, you know the the shovel and the bat and playing with the rake, you know, things like that. That's more of my dad, what he remembers from that movie, because <laughs> yeah. we played just as good with a with a bat or a, a rake <laughs> sure. as we do with an actual club, and so that kind of sticks out. It's like I might as well play with a shovel because we're we're not good at golf. <laughs> I like I like the idea that somehow uh, being a good golfer means you can hit uh, a golf ball with a baseball bat equally as equally well. as good. <laughs> right? You're just that good. Yeah, you just take that for granted in that movie. <laughs> All right, so you're number four. When I was going through my honorable mentions, I talked a lot about Christopher Nolan, so I had to sneak a Christopher Nolan movie onto my top five list. And no matter how much I think the ending of Inception is cool, or how much I think Memento just builds and builds and builds towards its ending, and you you don't know anything until you know the ending, I have a super soft spot for The Prestige. I think it's criminally underrated, even in terms of how I rate Christopher Nolan movies. I think it's like my third or fourth Christopher Nolan movie, which just speaks to how good his movies are. Yeah. But that Bat- Batman versus the Wolverine. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. I mean that it's so brilliant. Like, and again, it's kind of like whiplash where you're like, if somebody asks you what the prestige is about, you're like, Oh, two rival magicians at like the turn of the century. And they're like nodding off as you tell them like, no, <laughs> no, it's actually really good. Um, but the ending is what we're talking about here. And the whole movie is, this rivalry between Bale and Jackman and Bale's got this trick, the the transported man that Jackman can't figure out and Bale's leading him on a goose chase. And eventually Jackman figures out how to do his trick, but in a much different way than what Bale does. And so you've got these paths that are just kind of crisscrossing throughout the whole movie. And you're not really, you, you are shown how Hugh Jackman is able to achieve his trick, but you're still not sure how Christian Bale can do it. And it's so beautiful because the reveal in the end of how he does the trick is the simplest way of all, right? It was his a twin. I mean, it wasn't simple in the sense that they had to like, con- they, they interchanged their identities throughout their entire life. It wasn't just for the trick. It was their whole life. They lived that way, but it was for the trick. It was for it, the trick. They lived their life for the trick. Right. And, yeah. the, and the movie is so brilliant because it, it tells you that in like the first 20 minutes when they see the, the old guy, the old Chinese guy who does a special water trick. And the trick isn't that he can do the water. It's that he's not really old, but he lives his life as though he's an elderly guy. It's all there for you. But the ending in terms of, uh, you know, Bale gets put in jail because they think he killed one of, well, they think he killed Hugh Jackman. Right. But it was one of Hugh Jackman's clones. And Hugh Jackman shows up at the jail with Bale's daughter. And Bale's just like, here, here's the answer to my trick. If you just let my daughter go and Jackman tears it up, he doesn't care anymore. He thinks he's won. But it's intersplicing this with the fact that uh, Hugh Jackman's performing his trick underneath the stage. And right as 
one of Christian Bale's characters is hung, there's the reveal that his other twin now is alive to Hugh Jackman, who shoots Hugh Jackman. There's so much yeah. going on. And then you see the reveal of all of the cases of water with all the different Hugh Jackmans in there, that, in there. Yeah, yeah. that have died. And all this is happening while Michael Caine's doing his voiceover from the beginning of the movie talking about, you know, the turn, the reveal. And then the last thing you hear is him saying, you know, you don't really want to work it out. You want to be fooled. And he's talking about the audience and then it just cuts to black. And you're like, oh, what just happened? Like you kind of know all this stuff, but it just, the way the movie builds and then reveals itself. And there's, there's so many twists throughout the whole movie, but even in that last five minutes, it's just, it's twisting again. But like, you know, when we talked about simple favor, how it just kept twisting and twisting and twisting, you're like, I, I'm lost that like, the prestige is the exact opposite of that. It, it twists a lot, but you are following every step of the way. You're invested. You kind of, you feel like it's right on the tip of your tongue. Like, you know what, what is there and you just can't get it. And then he gives you the answer. You're like, oh, I should have known. I should have known. But it's, it's brilliant. No, yeah, and, and I love it. And I love the, you know, it's a lot about sacrifice. Yeah. They, they, they talk a lot about sacrifice. And Hugh Jackman's basically creating a clone by killing killing either the clone or himself. He doesn't yes. know which one. Uh, he said, you don't know about sacrifice. I don't know if I'm the one in the box or if I'm the one who got transported. You know? right. And so he, he's sacrificing that side and Christian Bale sacrificed his entire life by having these double identities um, yeah, that they're living in. You yeah. know, and Christian Bale, one scene cuts, shows him cutting his finger off to match his brother. Yeah. You know, just so they can keep the tricks going. You know, And wasn't that a, because somebody, was it Hugh Jackman that yeah. shot him in the audience? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't, it, that, yeah, so he loses a couple of fingers, so now his brother's got to lose a couple of fingers. All right, so oh. it matches, yeah. It's a it's a fantastic movie. I mean, there's times where I've said it's my favorite Nolan movie, and I think it's just as I as I age, like sometimes, like right now, Dunkirk, I think, is his best, but I guarantee in like six months, I might think Inception, then I might think Dark Knight, and then I might think Prestige. Like, But there's one thing that goes, and I think the Prestige is his best ending. It's... There's no other way to end that movie. So I agree. so perfect. I agree. All right. Ooh, I love the prestige. I need to go watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with these lists is I immediately want to go watch all the ones that we right. talk about. All right. So you're number four. Number four is Warrior. Ah, uh, yes. And so you, another one of a uh, very you movies it, continuing it, the trend. It is a very and and really it, it's the end that that gets me. It's a very and this will be a fun conversation for me because I've seen Warrior once and I don't know what the ending is. Really? Yeah. So. Uh, plot of the warrior is it's ultimate fighting, and you say two uh, two brothers ultimate fighting, and you, again you think, eh, you know, I'm not an ultimate right. fight, <laughs> and so it doesn't yeah. really build that. Um, but it's really the story about two estranged brothers that that they come back, and Tom Hardy is is one, and he hates basically his family, and he's just on this dark path, and he just walks in and just destroys people in the in the ring. And then you have Joel Edgerton, who's about to lose his job. Are you sure it's Joel Edgerton? Yes. It's not Jeremy Renner? <laughs> no, it's are you, not. Are you certain? I am positive, okay. because this is what put him on the map for me. Uh, <laughs> okay. Th- this is why he gets he gets praise. Um, and he's fighting. He's a school teacher, and his house is about to be foreclosed on. He has to win to get this money, you know, to keep his house. And so they end up uh, fighting, 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 and then it gets to the they end up getting paired off in the championship fight. And so it's kind of a tournament style and they get a championship fight. Now it's brother against brother. The whole audience is now brought in at the final fight that they are brothers. And 
the the back and forth between this. I mean, Tom Hardy's just been destroying people. Uh, Joel has essentially been winning by submission and heart and gut and and so the the back and forth of Joel not wanting to fight him and he hurts Tom Hardy's shoulder and so he should quit and it's like okay well why are you letting this continue and Tom Hardy's like no I'll fight without a shoulder type of thing and just the emotion between the two guys and the two brothers and he gets him on the ground he's saying tap out Tommy and you have the uh, all the soldiers that are singing I, I'm skipping all around here but the, the, the <laughs> soldiers that are singing for Tom Hardy because he was a soldier and a marine and and uh, that it's it's a very emotional end fight scene. I mean, if you try to compare it to like Rocky, Rocky's not really an emotional fight right. scene. It's a it's build up, build up, build up, fight, punch. You know, yeah, it went. You know, type of thing. This is you don't really even know who you're rooting for, right? I mean, are you because both Tom Hardy he finds out that he's fighting for the widow of a guy who died, one of his uh, platoon guys who died throughout and that's who he's going to give the money to and then joel's fighting for his family to not lose their house i mean you could say oh yeah they're brothers so they just split the money and everybody be fine you know you, you <laughs> yeah. could say, but but they hate each other you know at, at the time and so it's a that and you got nick nolte you know that's not really part of the ending but all of them together in this fight is just very emotional and it's it's awesome it's a perfect end to a great movie and I love this movie. Oh, I know you down, do. I'm it, well aware. It comes down to to the ending, really, uh, uh, all the way through. And uh, no, it's top notch, and you should watch it again. Oh, I will. I think I own it, but I just have only seen it once. Well, that's a travesty. <laughs> that's a travesty. <laughs> well, I'll have to go revisit it after this. I, I do remember thinking the ending was really good, and you don't know where it's going to go, and it's constantly building. And I can remember fragments of it, but yeah, I I, I don't I. I can understand why it would be on your list because it's uh I mean it's one of your favorite movies kind of under underrated favorite movies I right. guess yeah. underrated by everybody else in your opinion. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I can understand why you would want to promote it here. I in those endings like it like when I mentioned La La Land there's something about those emotional endings that it's not a twist and it's not anything overly unique it's just done very very well and when you see those movies and they resonate with you it, it jumps up the ranks of you know kind of the more generic ones that everybody's going to put on there because everybody can acknowledge the greatness of some of the ones i have i think coming up on my list and everything like that but like there's others that just appeal to you for a different reason that get up on your list and even when comparing it to uh, going back to rocky you know you're rooting for Rocky the whole time, yeah. And he may or may not win, but you're still rooting for Rocky the whole time. This you don't even really know who you're rooting for, right? And, and so that's that plays into it quite a bit. I think I'm going to be happy either way. I'm going to be pissed off at the same time, yeah, because you know, that one lost, right? You know, and so is that that dueling emotions there that I think they don't do extremely well in this. Yeah, no, I think that's and you get Joe Rogan, so ew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to watch all of a sudden. <laughs> all right, what is your number three? Uh, so I talked about this on a podcast. I think it was on a top five where it was movies I like that you don't. And it's Old Boy. Um, anybody that's seen Old Boy would know why it would be at the towards the top of an ending list. It's Regardless, I think, of what you feel about the movie as a whole or whether you like foreign films or anything, I think anybody that sees it 
recognizes the ending as kind of a jaw dropper and makes you feel icky. Um, <laughs> icky is the yeah. yeah. It, I'm not gonna overly dissect it, but and before we get too far, you're talking about the original Oh Boy. Yeah, I'm talking there, about the original. That's true. Josh Brolin remake. Yeah, and he's which not talking about that should be deleted from history. All copies should be deleted. <laughs> but yes, I'm talking about the Old Boy, the Korean film. The premise, if you don't know, is basically a, a guy is drugged and locked in a hotel room for 15 years. He has no idea why. He's held captive. Um, but then after 15 years, he's released. And then we follow him after that to see what happens. And it ends up being that somebody's been pulling strings the whole time and wants revenge on the main character for something that happened when they were younger. And the way the guy gets revenge is he makes the person who was held captive fall in love with his own daughter without him knowing it. So the whole movie, you're going along, you don't know this, you know something's up, you know you're building towards a mystery, but you don't know why or what. You don't even know that the woman he loves is even a part of it. You think she's just along for the ride, but it's revealed through a photo album that the villain gives to the main guy as he starts flipping through. He sees baby pictures and the baby starts getting older and I'm sure he recognizes that it's his baby because he was, you know, he was around when she was born. But as they start to get older, you realize that there's then pictures of them together that the villain's been taking. And you and the main character realize that he's fallen in love with his own daughter. And more than that. Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, all the things and, that come along with that. <laughs> um, so that's all revealed to you and the main character who uh, loses his mind cuts out his tongue. There's just all sorts of stuff that goes down, but it's a, I, another one of those movies where I, when I saw it, the ending, I was just like, Oh my God, I did not see that coming. I'm completely floored. Uh, definitely going the twist ending route on this one, but I, I've seen very few movies like this where you're legitimately shocked at what just unfolded on the screen. Like they one that, I guess it's just a good twist ending, but two that they went to that extreme. Like right. you don't come across movies that are willing to push the boundaries like that very often. And it's no. so demonic and evil that you're just floored. And I, I couldn't, I could not put it on the list. It had to be on the list. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a disturbing reveal for sure. Yeah. The whole movie is disturbing. Yeah. It's just a really weird, not weird, but it's a very dark movie, but it's, it's so good. And what it wants to be. But the ending is unforgettable. Yeah. Yeah. Number three for you? Number three for me is seven. If you yeah. And if you haven't seen seven, <laughs> yeah. stop right now. Go watch seven. Yeah. It's fantastic. It is very you know, good. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman. And then that's all I'll say right now <laughs> until you stop. And then Kevin Spacey. Yeah. So, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yep. Um, so the ending, Kevin Spacey gives himself up. He's a murderer, mass murderer. He's doing the seven deadly sins, gives himself up, says, I'll tell you where, where the last victims are. They drive out to a field, and a box is delivered. And Brad Pitt's sitting there with a gun on, on Kevin Spacey. Morgan Freeman opens the box. Brad Pitt. And all this time, Kevin Spacey's telling, basically telling what's going on. Yeah. And Brad Pitt's yelling, What's in the box? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And Kevin Spacey's trying to get Brad Pitt to kill him, become my wrath. So he's yeah. trying to complete the seven deadly sins and making Brad Pitt kill him. 
and what's in the box is Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Which is Brad Pitt's wife. Yeah. And he becomes his wrath, you know, and then Brad Pitt just guns him down. And Morgan Freeman's running from the, the delivery truck, you know, a good, you know, 100, 200 yards away going, put the gun down because he knows what's in the box. Yeah. And uh, he's trying to stop him from, from murdering this guy. And it's so well done. Yeah. It's so perfect. And it's just a, a great ending to a great movie. Yeah. And that. Yeah. David Fincher makes fantastic movies between seven and social network. And even Zodiac is criminally underrated. No pun intended with that, but um, I mean, he makes really good movies, but seven is the one that, uh, I mean, that is so good. You never, I guess my, my thing with seven is I never want to watch it because it's just not something you want to revisit a whole lot. It, it It's squeamish. Yeah. I mean, the whole, I mean, the, the gluttony and then, yeah, just the way that Kevin Spacey kills people, yeah, is is gross. But yeah, every time you movie. watch it, you're like, "My God, that's so good!" And then, yeah, I mean, the ending, the what's in the box, what's in the box? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fantastic. That nobody could argue that Seven should not be on the best endings list. Yeah, it's kind of one of those that I think you and I have cleared a little bit of a path with some of our favorites, and now we're getting into the obligatory. Like, yeah, we're gonna pick and choose out of the obligatory ones, but yeah, it's. Some of these had to be on there. We yeah. couldn't have a movie podcast and not have a couple of these on here and be like, yeah, because they are. They're they're the best. Yep. So, you're up. All right. Well, I just set myself up perfectly for number with two. a number two that, you know, if you were born after a certain period of time, you don't even need an explanation for why this is on here. We don't even need to talk about <laughs> what the ending is or why it is. It, it's just so infused in pop culture now that... It, it's hard to imagine a time that it didn't exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's one of those that like it's become just such a running thing in movies and it, it blew everybody's mind so much that first time that it feels like it's a trope or a staple that's just been there forever now. Right. But it's the sixth sense. Yeah. It's he was dead all along, right? Like he was a guest. Bruce Willis was a guest. Like you can almost measure the way you think about movies in pre-sixth sense and post-sixth sense because pre-sixth sense i don't think anybody ever really thought about you would watch a movie for the whole time and somebody you were watching that you thought was alive was actually dead but post-sixth sense it's impossible not to think of right like okay if you, like that's back there yeah, that, like that, if, that's in there well, what are they yeah. gonna do to twist right yeah. if you think you're being jerked around in a movie one of the things you're gonna go through in your checklist now is is he dead? Have they been setting this up in a way that this person could have been dead the whole time? Like, have they been touching <laughs> objects? Have they been interacting with things? How has this been going? And, you know, for as much as M. Night Shyamalan's career went drastically downhill after three or four movies, that that first movie, it'd be hard to find a director that made a better first movie. That blew everybody away. I mean, and thankfully that was in the age, like, kind of pre-internet. Yeah. So that, you know, if you spoiled it, it had to be, I mean, this is before the word spoiler, I think even existed, right? It was just, you had to be careful with how you, I mean, have you seen Sixth Sense? And everybody'd be like, well, I, I don't know, that Bruce Willis movie? Yeah. Like, yeah, have you seen it? No. Okay. Can you please go see it? I want to talk about it, but. So, yeah. So if your friend saw it and ruined it for you, which one of our friends did for many of, many of <laughs> right. uh, us, uh, what's funny is he ruined it for them by, yeah. by telling it for me. He told me that Bruce Willis was the devil. <laughs> and so, so for me, I'm watching this movie, 
as thinking that Bruce Willis is the devil. Yeah. And then at the end, it shows his hand, you know, and we're supposed to see be seeing his ring, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just seeing a very hairy <laughs> Bruce Willis hand. Yeah. Thinking, is he turning into the devil, thinking that this is not the way his hand is supposed to look like? And so I was really thrown off because <laughs> I was looking for those, yeah. you know, hints that he's the devil, you know, when we we're, were in high school at the time. And yeah. And so he, he ruined it for me in a different way. Than just spoiling the ending, but that, it was that's a fantastic movie, and I haven't seen it in so long that I want to I want to watch that again. It's uh, funny how these movies that are like that. It's so it's not the case for Whiplash and Prestige, not the case for Ten Cup and Warrior, probably for you. But when you get into these movies that rely so heavily on the on twist. the twist, it's really hard to revisit them. I think I've only seen Sixth Sense two or three times in my entire life because. And I don't know why. I think it's just because, like, you think that it's going to be so much less because you know what it is, right? It, and I remember it as being more of, I mean, it's a scary movie. Yeah. I mean, there's dead people under sheets, you know, and and it'd be a good thing to revisit here in, in October. Right. You know, in Halloween time, you know, to put that on the list to, to watch again. But uh, I think those... Like the scary scenes in that really take a backseat, obviously, to to the ending because yeah. people are just waiting for the ending or looking for clues throughout. Right. That that it does. I think it does detract. I mean, similar to I mean, Usual Suspects. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that the I think it's no. I love the entire movie, but I think a lot of people just you know focus on on the end and they can't get past that. Yeah, you know, I don't want to watch it because I know how it ends. You know, but there's a great movie in there. Uh, to watch but it's almost like you because you can't ever replicate that first viewing that experience first feeling, yeah. it's every subsequent viewing has no shot it doesn't mean you won't like it but like for me right now if i watch sixth sense i'd almost need to watch it twice back to back like because the first time i watch it i know i'm going to be watching every and what i'm going to be focusing mm-hmm. on yeah. is what does bruce willis touch what doesn't he touch did they mess up somewhere should i have seen this all along did they look at him i'm going to yeah. be so analytical about it that i don't think i will really appreciate the movie and then after i've done that i can kind of take a step back and be like, okay now let's just watch this from a <laughs> let's just enjoy it from a movie standpoint but truthfully this should be my number one but it doesn't have the personal connection to me that my number one does so i put it at number two but I, I would I would fight with somebody to say that Sixth Sense is the best ending to a movie of all time, just because of what it did to change everything. It's definitely one of the best twists of all time, right? And so that that that's for sure. Yeah, and, and one thing that I don't think you and I mentioned either one of us, and, and I'm I don't know the rest of your list, but I don't think I'm stealing your thunder. Is Fight Club because mm-hmm. it. For me, it was the first movie that ever did the, hey, this character you've been watching while not dead uh, never really existed. You know, I'm a, it's a fragment of my imagination or figment of my imagination. And again, like Sixth Sense, there was like three or four other movies that came out in the next however many years that you watch the movie and you're like, you're just making this up in your head. And, are you fight clubbing me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there are movies that did that. And right. it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm really sick of this now. But yeah, it's just funny how movies just set that bar for everything else not to me sixth sense like i said there's a pre-sixth sense world and there's a post-sixth sense world and there's only so many movies you can say that about in six senses yeah and you mentioned fight club but i think the reveal on that one was was closer to the middle of the movie mm-hmm. to where it wouldn't have hit my i mean sure. it's on the second second half but yeah it wasn't the ending where they revealed 
Yeah, that. Right. So, yeah, I, so I agree with yeah. you. But yeah, it's it's another one of those that's just like there's a movie watching experience pre Fight Club and post Fight Club, and right. Six Sense is the same way. Yep, I agree. All right, so you're on number two now. Number two. Okay. Um, arguably my favorite movie of all time, and is a very bad argument for anything else i think but you could argue it if you want to uh is braveheart braveheart has is one of those movies that i mean they they killed a good guy and they 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 didn't they didn't do that i yeah. feel like i mean i mean sure it's happened before but you have this big epic battle you know, this guy rising to power to you have this evil king and he gets caught he gets caught he gets tortured and the whole time you're thinking he's gonna get out of this somehow i mean he's he's william wallace you know he's come this far and the king's up there in his deathbed and and he starts getting tortured and his guts are getting ripped out and you're like "Mm, he may not get out of this (laughs) and then uh, you know, he's trying to say a word and he yells freedom and then the king hears it and he dies because I'm sure he thinks he got out or somehow. Uh, and then they chop off his head. It's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, it, it's, it's done so well that, I mean, Mel Gibson does a, a great job getting tortured. Uh, the, the acting of everything and just the conviction of this character. And I mean, the whole movie bringing up to this point, you're just enamored. But I couldn't remember before that a movie where the hero died. And then the, the one you've been rooting for this whole time, this rags to almost riches story that ended like this. And that was so powerful. And I still, I still watch it. And it's still, you know, he's seeing his dead wife walk through the crowd. And right before he gets his head cut off and then his hand opens up and drops the, um, the handkerchief mm-hmm. from their marriage or whatever. Um, and it's it's just done done so perfectly well. And then you have you know Gladiator that came later. That Braveheart two and Braveheart. Two, I mean, Hero dies. And like okay, you know, well, well, William did it first type of thing. And it wasn't nearly as as emotional as this. I mean, he's just he's just lying there getting tortured. Yeah, and not like he got stabbed or shot at the end of a movie. I mean, yeah, you keep thinking it's powerful too because it's got the bagpipes going in the background and everything. Yeah, and the people that. Uh, almost a rocky moment of they're throwing stuff at him when he's coming in, but yeah. then him withstanding the torture, and then the crowd's like, "Oh mercy!" You know, we're crying mercy. Yeah. He's supposed to. We're crying mercy. We're on his side now. Just, just in this, you know, he's taking too much, and and he refuses to do that. Yep. And uh, it's just so good. Yeah. So good. I I won't argue it. Yeah. Good. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. If it's not the best movie of all time, it's. It's definitely number 1.1. For you? Everyone. (laughs) Everyone. (laughs) Everyone. For everyone. Yeah. I mean, the historical dramas are are right up your wheelhouse. That's kind of your thing. Yes. And should be everyone's. (laughs) So good. So good. So. All right. You. I'm up for number number one. one. All right. So something I was thinking about while you were talking is I was thinking like, oh, Braveheart, that's that's a very Carson pick. And I said that about Tin Cup and Warrior. And then I was thinking about... Well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, one, great movie endings are going to make the movies great. And then when we're talking about our top fives personally, they're going to be most likely the intersection of great endings, which we 
equate to great movies typically and then what we like so it's kind of this weird mixture of okay you go through your five star movies and pick out the top five in there or right. the best endings and there you go right but i guess i'm bucking the trend on that one a you, little bit with are, my number one yeah because the mist is an average movie at uh, best yeah i mean it could be really well done if they made it now it, it a lot of its problem is that it is it was made in that period of time where CGI should not have been prevalent, but it was. <laughs> but it was, yeah. And that really hampers the movie. There's a lot of really, really bad CGI. But where where the movie gets great is in how it looks at society, uh, a microcosm of society when stuff goes bad. But I'll just skip to the ending because, again, I think outside of, I mean, I can remember where I was when I saw the ending to The Mist. I was laying in bed with the laptop on my lap while my wife was asleep, and I'm watching it streaming, I think, on Netflix. Or maybe I got it when it was through DVD, through Netflix or something. And I, I again, it's like dropping F-bombs and cuss words out loud <laughs> while she's sleeping because I couldn't believe what was happening because I think part of it was like, okay, I'm enjoying this movie. It's a fine movie. You know, we're... Okay, you know, monsters have crossed dimensions and Thomas Jane's been stuck in a Stephen grocery King, store, Stephen yeah. King, yeah. yeah. And then what they do to the audience, I, I'm i genuinely shocked that they let that happen. And that's coming from somebody who saw Old Boy. I'm not sure what order <laughs> I saw them in. So, like, my levels of being shocked are kind of off a little bit. But they finally, Thomas Jane and his son and, like, two or three other people get in a car and they're driving through the mist trying to escape. I think they run out of gas. Yep. And they think, this is it. I'm dead. We're all going to die. We're going to get eaten alive by these monsters that we've seen eat all these other people. Thomas Jane has a gun. Very horrifically, by the way. Yes. Thomas Jane has a gun with enough bullets to kill everybody but one person. And they show him killing everybody in the car, including his son. And after he kills his son, he's screaming horrifically, which anybody would do. And you're just, you know, you think the movie's going to end like that with the monsters coming or maybe cut to black. And no more than like a minute after he kills his son and everybody else, the army comes rolling through and the mist starts to clear. So he just killed them for nothing. Nothing. And I don't know what else to say about that ending. (laughs) It is, it's the biggest balls on the ending of a movie I have ever seen in my life. Because it's one thing to, I mean, think about that. Like it's one thing to have that happen. Have him make that choice and then say in the movie or have like show a monster collapsing on the car or something like that. And then like, okay, that's a bleak ending, but I can kind of live with that. To to go that dark and then roll the tanks right by so the audience like, you just killed your son for no reason? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, there's no other ending like it. I've never, never come across anything. So I had to put it at number one because it's just such a jerk move to do. This was on TV the other night. And so I, I just saw that last week, just just the ending. Yeah. And they show him loading the gun, and she says, uh, you know, what about you? And he goes, I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, I'll figure out a way to kill myself, essentially. And then it cuts to a commercial. Oh, that's and, terrible. And I was like, what? And then it's like, I think it's on AMC. And then it comes back, and all you see is, the, you know, the gunshots that are that are being fired. And I was like, they took the... Out of out of this whole thing, yeah. like, I can't believe he did that. That's bad. But, but he, uh, but yeah, he steps out and starts screaming and he, he, basically calling the monsters to come kill him. And 
Here comes the tanks. Oh my god! And I, now I haven't read the mist. I haven't either, actually. And but I did read that that's not the ending of the mist. That doesn't surprise me. And that Stephen King's that I wish I would have thought of that. To, so to, to end this movie, that's funny you say that because I've read a lot of Stephen King books and he struggles with endings. Does he? Big time. There's so many books of his I've read that I've just loved, 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 loved. And then you get to the ending and like, oh man, you didn't, you had no idea how to tie this up. So Christopher Nolan. Uh, no, no, because I think I think you're misguided on that because Inception, Memento, and Prestige all have good endings. But yeah, I I could see Stephen King being jealous of what they did with that because that ending is perfect. Is is excellent ending. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm anxious. What's your number one? My number one is Last of the Mohicans, and I think ninety percent of this has to do with the music going on <laughs> in the background. And you're not a movie music guy. No, but but the music really gets gets the emotions flowing, and so you have the English, um, English guy who's in love with with his girl sacrifice himself, and so that's when the music really starts. And so he's being burned alive, and they so they throw him the long rifle, so he, he gives him a mercy killing. But then her sister is being taken by a tribe of uh, the Mohawks that are are going uh, across the river. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and so it's the chase. So the guy who loves that girl is chasing her down. So he still the music. No one's talking. You know, it's it's fantastic. Music's going best best score of any movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> oh, wow. I'm gonna put that down from this song alone. <laughs> from somebody who's not a movie no, music guy, that's a bold claim. It's it's true. Um, and so he fights Magua on the rock for her, and he's fighting, and he gets cut, and so he he's bleeding, and clearly. He's not going to win now, but he still continues to fight. And then Magua kills him, throws him off. Then the girl kills herself because her guy, she'd rather die than go with Magua, which is, you know, mm-hmm. like, wow. She jumps off the cliff, and then her sister sees her jump off the cliff, and she's, so she's screaming. And then the dad of the guy Magua just killed, now, now the last of the Mohicans, sees his son being killed by Magua, and so he goes on a tirade. And so he's running after them. You got a uh, long rifle there, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, grabbing guns and, and shooting Indians that were already loaded and running up. And so then you finally get this final battle between Magua and his dad. And, and again, the music's escalating and mm-hmm. just beautifully done. You know, <laughs> everything that you want in, in a movie of someone, you know, just determined, you know, and I'm going to fight you no matter what because of love and, and losing, you know. I got nothing left to give. But I'm going to give it all anyway. And then her sacrifice. Oh, so perfect. <laughs> so perfect. But, th- but that song in the background makes it. Yeah. And, and if you watched it with, I think any other music, I think, <laughs> I think it, it, it truly could be a full deduction star on the entire movie. If you didn't have that music with the end and everything going there, it's a fantastic movie, but that end makes it. Sure. I, just, I, I tend to think that if they had a different song, that probably would resonate. I mean, obviously they can't just like play a kazoo or something like that, but it, it's hard to, it's hard to, <laughs> so are you going to do that now? But I mean, it, it's kind of hard to, I guess, disassociate those things. It's kind of like asking what if the Rocky theme had been different all these years, right? Like yeah. it's, it's too hard to understand whether it's the movie or the music or just that really well, the connection of both that, that drive that. and. Well, because it, it is it is kind of both, but and I don't know if that song now now every time I hear it I think of that scene, so I love it that much more. But they had an ESPN commercial with uh, Sean Merriman and uh, Stephen Jackson. Mm-hmm. There's a Nike commercial, 
and Sean Mar- and they had the song in the background, which it, it, it just gives me chills hearing <laughs> it. But they're going back. It's a fantastically done commercial. So go go YouTube. It's like from ten years ago, obviously. Yeah. With, Steven Jackson, right. <laughs> but, but, uh, but it's so good. And I, I don't know if it, again, is the music or me reliving that last time Mohican scene that, that makes it so, so good, but it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And that's why I got to my, to my number I'm one. I'm surprised it's below Braveheart, but I, I can kind of see that. I mean, Braveheart's ending while very emotional is still a guy getting tortured and last time Mohican still has a, Action component, Act, yeah. Action, yes. gun shooting, you know, revenge. Which that's yeah. you. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I, I don't have much of a a disagreement on on any of these. It's uh, these lists that we have are are very much us. But I don't think either of us would dispute any of them. I mean, we didn't. <laughs> so no, no. Not. I mean, going through this, it's like uh, when I saw your list, it's like, yeah. I see. I, I get it, and I, I think mean, I think the the post nineteen ninety helped that because if we had taken that off, then you like I said, you have to get into the like I would have to go with two thousand one, which would have uh, been an argument. But I don't really want to argue about that one. And then you know the the Planet of the Apes or all those classic movies you have to get into, and then you start to get into like so much nostalgia that are you arguing for nostalgia or the actual ending? And are right. you arguing of all the derivative movies that came after it and all that stuff? Whereas I think post 1990, we can say, okay, you know, that's, you know, we were at least eight years old. We had some kind of understanding of what movies we were watching then. And there's not too much nostalgia baked in. And those movies have had enough time to bake to be borderline classics without being the historical classics. And 1990 was a good cutoff for us, I think. Yep. I think we we could have made it a lot harder had we gone a few other routes. Like, I'd be interested to know what you and I would say are the best endings from just like 2010 on. I mean, I've talked about a few. Since, yeah. I mean, I have Whiplash and I talked about La La Land, but, you know, just whittling down like, or maybe even the last five years. I mean, it'd be very, very hard because I, I don't off the top of my head remember any like modern movies that... oh, I, I had a a full list from 90 to 95 you know <laughs> yeah and so i was like like that was like my my wheelhouse for some reason yeah of, of ones that were like god it's so good yeah yeah i think it's because those probably stick with us as like the first time we've seen some of those things and with just the sheer volume of movies that you and i watch the ability to surprise us yeah has or even to have some ending that we think is perfect you know i mean it's just it's hard now you know with thousands of movies under your belt it's tougher to get a little bit more creative like well even so i'm looking at my list again and with exception of seven and ten cup which i have to rewatch ten cup to know if there's a musical component to it but ooh, the music is really dated i, I hated the music in ten cup when i watched it the, the last scene all of it. It all just well, felt very nineties. Well, sure, but I, I'm trying to think of the last scene because Last of Mohicans, Braveheart, Warrior, all, the music that's going on during those scenes, you know, really drive the emotions home. And so that I think is important. Yeah, to, to, to have that. Oh yeah, I mean the the uh, best movies typically have very very strong scores to go along with them. It's, I mean, really, the only ones I can think of that don't in modern times that don't really have they're great movies with the kind of iffy scores are the Marvel movies. All their scores are just forgettable. I even from the even from the DC standpoint, like I at least can think of Superman's theme in my head. In Wonder Woman. In Wonder Woman. But like when you ask me like what's Thor's theme? Like, I don't does he have one? 
he does now. Well, from it, Ragnarok. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it's rare that you you have that kind of thing. Usually, the the great movies have great scores that go along with them. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that was a good good top five. So we'll be hopefully getting to another top five next. It's more month. fun. We're talking about great movies, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to look at the the ratings. I think we each only have one that's below below a four. Yeah. The rest of them are all fives. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, I mean, right. it, you're not going to have a great ending besides the mist. You're not going to have the great ending in a average movie. Yeah, yeah, well, ten cut. But that's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up this top five list. We'll probably have another one next month. But as usual, go to tvsmovies.com to check out either our podcast or our written reviews. Um, go to Facebook to chat with us if you want, and definitely go out and subscribe to the podcast on uh, iOS or Android. Leave us a rating and. Preferably a comment. Tell us how we're doing. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>